Celebration Rock Podcast presented by 93XFM here in Minneapolis and Uprocks.com. I'm your host, Stephen Hyden. Today we're playing another game of Fantasy A&R. You may remember last month we did this with the Beatles' White Album. We took that sprawling masterpiece and we cut it down to a 12-song record. This time I wanted to do a band that is uh, even better than the Beatles. And of course, that band is Oasis. (laughs) Okay, they're not actually better than the Beatles, that's a joke. But, you know, that was always the thing with Oasis. The hubris of this band, especially in their mid-90s prime, when they were really one of my favorite bands of all time. Like, 94 to 96 Oasis is, like, one of those bands that I have, like, almost no critical distance from. Like, I love everything that they did at that time. The albums they put out, definitely Maybe, and What's a Story, Morning Glory, and all the singles that they put out at that time. You know, I used to go to record stores and scour the import bins to get the singles from England (laughs) so I could get all the b-sides that Oasis was putting out at that time and you know I was such a snob about it that when they put out that compilation the master plan a couple years later I ignored it because I had all those songs already I was like if you're a real fan you have the singles my point is is that mid-90s Oasis is a very sacred band to me so I figured what better band to do fantasy A&R with If you were to take all that music that Oasis made at that time, both albums and all the singles, and you were to make one album, at the ultimate mid-90s Oasis album, what would you put on there? To me, this is a perfect topic because it's painful for me. It's very painful. Like, I figure if I'm going to play this game, it should be harder on me than anybody else. So that's what we're doing in this episode. We're going to make the ultimate Oasis record. And my guest is Stuart Berman. He's a writer. Uh, you probably have read him in places like Pitchfork. He's been a writer there for a long time. He was a guest on our show last year when we did our episode on the Tragically Hip. So he is now officially a friend of the podcast. He's a big Oasis fan. And I asked him, hey, you come up with an Ultimate Oasis record. I'm going to come up with mine. And we'll see how they compare. So that's what we're doing in this episode. And it's a lot of fun. And I'm excited to get into it. But before we get to that... Let's talk about our sponsor for this week, and it's our old friends at Harry's. Now, of course, if you listen to this podcast or other podcasts, you know that Harry's is a great place to go if you need razors that are affordable and you don't want to go to the store. You know, like, look, I have to buy razors all the time, and it's a pain. You got you to gotta go to Walgreens or something or CVS, and you wait in line. And this time of the year, it's really crowded, and it's cold, and... It's just a pain in the neck. But you ever have to like get them to like unlock the case for you to get the razor. You know, exactly. Find somebody and they got to do a whole thing. There's like an epidemic of people stealing razors apparently from Walgreens. So they're under lock and key. So forget all that. Just go to Harry's. You want to get this special limited edition set. Now, as a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com backslash rock. Plus, you'll get free shipping. 
This offer is for new and returning customers, and it's only available for the holidays. Now, the Harry shaving set, as you know, it comes with the ergonomic weighted handle, the German-engineered five-blade cartridges, the foaming shave gel, the travel cover, and it comes in a holiday gift box. And, you know... Who doesn't need razors? I know you're going to need to shave before we see uh, Tom York next week, right? <laughs> Indeed. It is a, uh, it's cool that they're doing this for returning customers because I am one of those. You are. Yeah, and usually the offers are just for the new people. So Exactly. Damn. So, yeah, so if you're new or you're returning, this is for everybody. And it's also a great way to help the podcast. So, again, go to harrys.com backslash rock. That's harrys.com backslash rock. And uh, get $5 off your that, that shave set. Uh, okay, guys, so... It's fa- it's fantasy A and R again this week on Celebration Rock. We're talking about Oasis. We're talking about mid '90s, the perfect mid '90s Oasis record. This was a lot of fun. It was also extremely painful for me <laughs> to cut songs I love, songs I love so much, to leave them on the cutting room floor. But that's what I'm willing to do for you on this show. So bef- let's get into it. Here is me and Stuart Berman on the Celebration Rock podcast talking the ultimate Oasis album. For fantasy A&R. So I was saying in the intro that mid-90s Oasis, like 94 to 96, is like one of those bands that I probably have the least critical distance from. Like you know, they were a band that I loved in high school, one of the sort of big bands of like my teen years. And they were a band that I would, you know, I'd go to the record store and I would hunt down import singles for them and I would read every article about them. I, I really love everything they did in that time. Even the songs that aren't very good, I think, are great from <laughs> mid-'90s Oasis. So playing this game is going to be an interesting thing because yeah. I, I kind of chose this intentionally knowing that it was going to be painful for me uh, for that reason. I'm just curious for you, like, where are you coming at uh, as a fan? Like, are, are you pretty intense about this era, too, uh, when it comes to o- Oasis? Yeah, I was pretty much on board from... If not day one, then maybe day two. I remember seeing the video for Supersonic on The Wedge, which is like Much Music's version of uh, 120 Minutes up here in Canada. And I remember, you know, I heard a lot of the hype about this band. And, you know, Supersonic admittedly didn't, like, blow me away at first. Like, because it's kind of like a mid-tempo tune. It's The video is just this, like, grainy black and white kind of, like, afterthought of the video. So I wasn't, like totally sucked in right away. It was actually Live Forever that really sort of dug its hooks into me. Um, I can even pinpoint the exact moment, like, you know, after the guitar solo, that third verse breakdown, and then the band comes kicking in. Right. Like, that was the moment where I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so that was the song that really uh, brought me in and uh, inspired me to part with my twenty one ninety nine or however much uh, <laughs> a definitely maybe CD cost in 1994. Yeah, like, I, Live Forever is the first... Oh, it's a song that I remember hearing, and I remember actually reading about them, I think, in Rolling Stone, where they were just talking about this British band that was very brash, and I think the writer said they sounded like the Beatles, which... By the way, I always feel like that's such a misnomer with Oasis. Like, I, I really don't think they sound like the Beatles very much. There's some Beatles-esque things in various songs of theirs, but I don't, I don't really get a Beatles thing from them. More, I feel like it's more... You can definitely hear, like, T-Rex, and you hear the Sex Pistols, and a lot of other British bands, but not so, not as much the Beatles for me. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, when I was going through this exercise and listening to the back catalog again, you know, obviously there's Beatlesque elements and, in some cases, like, entire melodies swapped wholesale. <laughs> um, but I was hard 
pressed to think of like what Beatles album could these songs exist on. And it's almost like they exist on the album that might have come after Let It Be. Or like if they got if they did a bunch of like speed and like wanted to you know, sound like Nevermind the Bullocks in like nineteen seventy eight. Like, yeah, you know, if they did like a reunion tour at that time, I feel like maybe they'd sound like Oasis, but other than that, yeah. I don't I don't really hear it. But anyway, like I was really excited to hear them and I remember actually going to the record store and getting definitely maybe on cassette. Because uh, so, I wow. bought tapes back then, along with CDs, but I think I wanted to listen to it in the car, and we only had a cassette player in the car. And uh, I remember putting in the tape and listening to Rock and Roll Star, and just feeling like instant love for this band. I just it, it, there was just something about them where I'd never loved a band like that that was contemporary, where they were just so sort of in love with being a rock and roll band and all the mythology of being a rock and roll band. I mean, this was like yeah. right at, this was the same year that Kurt Cobain died. You know, Kurt Cobain, yeah. I think died maybe three or four April. months. Yeah. He died in yeah. April. I probably heard definitely maybe, I, I don't know the exact, I, my memory is that it's in the fall of 94. I could Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Summer. Like, like I feel like September. Yeah. Around there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the exactly. And it was, it just felt like, yeah. I mean, I don't think I was this, you know, I wasn't thinking like a rock critic so much at this time, but like in retrospect, it, to me, it just seems like, oh, this is like the next thing, you know, where Nirvana's done and Kurt Cobain died because he couldn't reconcile being a rock star with being a human being. And now here comes Oasis and they're like, we want to be fucking rock stars. We're, and we're going to like, you know, smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol and we're going to, you know, put that at the forefront of our image and it was just something I I wanted so much at that time and and they delivered it for me uh yeah for me uh, like that they came after a period of a few years where I was just like deeply immersed in indie rock like from Nirvana I went to Sonic Youth and then into like SST Records stuff and you know all that stuff was about kill your idols and like you know this is a clear break from classic rock like this is something new and then when I heard Oasis, I'm like, okay, it's okay to like classic rock again. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I can go back to that. And, you know, before we start carving these albums up, you know, Definitely Maybe is like one of my favorite albums of all time. It's definitely one of the most important albums of my life in terms of just my relationship with it and how it influenced my taste. And then What's the Story? Morning Glory is a record I, I don't like quite as much, but I love it a lot. And it's another sort of towering record for me. So both of these albums um, I really love, and I wouldn't want them to be different. And certainly all the singles from this time, too. I, I was Part of the fun of this band was that you could get a single like every three months, and the B-sides yeah. were always amazing. And, I, and they were the first band that I was into that was like that. Uh, and, and really, I, I haven't had quite that experience ever again with a band where I just felt like every single you had to buy because there might be the greatest song that they've ever made, like on the B-side. Uh, See, I didn't collect the singles so religiously because, you know, they were expensive back then. <laughs> like, if I had $20, I wanted to buy a full 75-minute CD with, you know, 15 tracks on it um, versus, like, a three-song CD single, which might have cost $10 on import. Right. So I... I immediately like played catch up on the B sides, like when the Master Plan compilation came out. I remember when um, I remember at the local record store, I knew that they had a copy of the Some Might Say 
import single and it was always hard for me to get the family car to go to the record store because my mom would always give me a hard time about how much money I was spending uh, on CDs so what I would often do is I would go to my religion class in the middle of the week because I could always take the car to go to go there and then I would take the car to the record store on the way home to buy music and one time I had to drive really fast to the record store to get there before it closed and I was going 90 miles an hour on the highway in a 55 mile per hour zone and I got pulled over and uh, they they took eight (laughs) points off my license for that and uh, like a year later my mom got a letter that said I had like one point left on my license because of speeding tickets and uh, but I did get that single and it is one of the great singles in Oasis's catalog so you know all's well that ends well uh, yeah. But yeah, I was breaking. That, like that story is like an Oasis song. I'm <laughs> gonna drive, never gonna die. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. But I tell you, I'm actually more of a Morning Glory guy than a Definitely Maybe guy. Wow. Yeah, definitely Maybe is sort of a you know the teaser, and then Morning Glory like really yeah for me that that stands high above. And putting this our our sort of alternate universe record together. And slotting the song side by side, like the difference in production really struck me. It's so dramatic. You know, Morning Glory is such like a huge cavernous record in comparison to Definitely Maybe, which is like, feels really compressed in comparison. Right, right. Well, this is interesting. Okay, so this is an early clue that our records might be significantly different because I, I, I love Morning Glory, but to me, that's like a extremely high peaks and some kind of low valleys. Like, I don't really right. need, you know, like, Hey Now, I don't really need to hear that song ever again. Oh, or, oh you just wait, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. There will be, be some discussion of Hey Now. <laughs> oh, man. Because uh, I was, my, my fear with these is always, like, with when I did the White Album with Rob, I thought, oh, maybe our albums will be too similar. And I was worried about that here, but, okay. Because I haven't seen your list and you haven't seen mine. Uh, yeah. So this will be a dramatic reveal in this episode. Before we get to our albums, I'm wondering, um, what, are, what, are, what were the most painful songs for you to cut off? Because we, we each had, we're doing a 14-track album here, and originally I thought, let's do a 12-track album, and then I was like, no, that's, that's excruciating. I, I can't do a 12-track mid-'90s Oasis album. That would be too painful. Let's do 14 tracks. But I know for me, I had to leave off songs that I love dearly, um, what are some of the songs that you wanted to put on, but you couldn't because you just couldn't find the space? Well, yeah, like when I did my first preliminary pass where like I'm dropping and dragging, like, yeah, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And then before I knew it, I had 22 songs. I'm like, yikes, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this is going to be difficult. So yes, my, my version does not include uh rock and roll star. What? I know. Like it's, it's an iconic Oasis song. Oh. You know? It's oh. like their self-defining anthem, but uh, you just stuck a knife in my heart already. <laughs> I don't know if I can take any more. But okay, what else did you leave off that that was that was painful? Um, I really like Columbia. Is sort of like like the the one Oasis Madchester song, You're right. which I feel is just like an important part of their story, and and it's, it's sort of a a nod to their roots even though they weren't like explicitly associated with Manchester, you know, Noel had some had one foot in that camp through like in spiral carpets. And yeah, you know, I feel like it was almost like the last Manchester song, Columbia. Um, and on top of it just being like a good groove, it's a, it's a really catchy tune. Uh, but didn't make you know, it. Didn't make it. I, and you know, I left off Wonderwall. 
for for a number of reasons. One, it's like the song is just so pervasive. It almost doesn't feel like an Oasis song anymore. It's just like it's oxygen. It's just part of an. It's a natural element of our of our planet. Wonderful. Um, part of it was like snobbery on my part, where I'm like, I'm so sick of that song. I don't really need to hear it again. But also in my alternate universe here, Wonderwall is like the Hey Jude. It's the standalone single, independent that's of any record. So oh, man. in my universe, it still goes on to be a huge worldwide hit, just just not on this record. Okay. I mean, I, I should say quick that like, and, and I posed this scenario to you when you know we were talking about doing this episode, that like the scenario in this alternate universe is that we're running like a mercenary let's say American record company. I know you, I know you're Canadian, but we'll say Americans cause it's, it's more logical that the, that, that Americans would be mercenary in this instance, you know, we're more mercenary in general, but anyway, we're the mercenary. Canadians are just politely mercenary. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like we're the, we're the mercenary American record company. We're seeing Oasis have all these hits in England. They have these, you know, two big albums, but you know, we're saying we don't know if these albums will be big in America. So we're going to pull all the best material from this work into like an American album that we're going to put out in 1996. So in your scenario, you're saying like, we're still going to put out Wonderwall, but we're going to put it out as a single, not yeah. on the album. After the record is a huge mass success, you know, you drop Wonderwall right at, you know, a few months later and people will just be like, wow, like I thought this album was perfect, but you know, this band is obviously clearly capable of so much more. Well, my friend, you, oh man, you, you you have murdered me already. Like not putting on Rock and Roll Star, not putting on Wonderwall. That that's incredible to me. Um, on my album, the the most painful cut for me was some might say. I didn't put some might say on my Ooh. record, and it's it's weird because that is one of my favorite. Oasis songs, if I made a top 10 list, like some might say would be in the running for that. It, but the reason I didn't put it on is that there's another song I put on that is similar to that. And if I put them both on, it would have been redundant. And I I felt like I had to put the other song on first. So I. Yeah, you really find that going through these tracks, like, you know, especially with all the B sides. Like, you realize, like, there's certain modes that, right. you know, they were working in. And. Yeah, there's like three versions of the same kind of song. <laughs> right. Um, so I, have, I have like for Rock and Roll Star, I have a, I have a, I have a substitute for Rock and Roll Star, which I, which I prefer. There is no Rock and Roll Star substitute, my friend. <laughs> this is uh, this is obscene what you've done, but we'll get to that later. Um, I also didn't put on Columbia on my album, although I did initially, and I was listening to my my playlist on my deck while drinking bourbon, and. When I got to Columbia, it just did not fit. So that's why right. I cut it. It didn't, I was like, if I, I, this Oasis album, you have to be able to drink whiskey to it. Uh, and it has to work. And like the whole thing worked, except for the Columbia part, as much as I love that song. And I found another song that worked better. So it just got cut for that reason. And another song I put on my record uh, originally, and it just didn't fit with everything else, was Morning Glory. Uh, Ooh, ouch. I, I love that song so much. That was painful for me. But again, it's less about the song than the flow of it. And it was really a matter for me, and we'll get into this when we talk about our records, where I had too many bombastic rockers on my album, and I wanted to get something a little softer on there as contrast. So 
I was like, okay, I got to make a painful cut, and that was gone. One more song that I wanted to put on, like initially this was a song that jumped immediately in my head as like a song I'd want to put on a mid-'90s Oasis record, and it's a B-side called Step Out. Uh, which yeah. which I think was a new, it was supposed to be on Morning Glory and they cut it because Stevie Wonder <laughs> was going to sue them because the song rips off uh, Uptight, uh, the yeah. melody basically from that song. And I think they gave Stevie Wonder writing credit on the song. But I've always loved that song. I, I, it's uh, such a great vocal from Noel Gallagher. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's one of their kind of great pop songs that they have in their catalog. Um, but... Uh, I just couldn't find the space for it. And it was another one of those sort of like, I already have a lot of sort of up-tempo rockers on this record. I want to have maybe another ballad on here instead. So it got the it got the cut for that reason. So, I mean, so that's like an EP's worth of great songs I didn't put on here that I feel really bad yeah. about not putting on. Uh, yeah. so, and I should say, Wonder, one of the reasons also I left out Wonderwall is because, yeah, vibe-wise, it didn't quite fit well. With what I was going for, which is to present Oasis as this like omnipotent rock and roll band, and Wonderwall just felt a little too vulnerable. See, I got to say that like in our sort of mythical mercenary record company, I think you, you've already been fired for not putting on Wonderwall. <laughs> I think you you're already because I, 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 I feel like they're going to be like this guy has a drinking problem or there's some sort of mental issue going on with this guy because he didn't put on Wonderwall. So we got to get rid of him. So I think but when it becomes a top-selling single of all time, <laughs> it can be a single. And other, but this is the '90s. We're trying to sell CDs here. You know, the, 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 we're not selling singles here. You know, we're trying to sell CDs. You gotta, you, you, they want you to put it on the record. So I, I, I'm just saying, you know, I think you might. I think you may be fired for this decision. But uh, but on the other hand, I admire your 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 hubris here. Like you're not being predictable. So. I'm thinking outside the box, as they would have said in corporate boardroom speak back in the day. That's true. Maybe they're going to be like, hey, this guy, he's so crazy that he's a genius. He's thinking outside the box. Let's name our record company Stuart Berman Records. So it could go that way, too. So, yeah. Well, I, I did give my album a title. I did, too, actually. Definitely Glory. Ooh. I'm not going to say my title yet because it's named after a song on the record. So I'm not going to say it yet. Definitely Glory, though. I like that. Or it could be like Maybe Glory, you know, sort of like a, yeah. kind of like this. Like no, the there's, there's no doubt. This, this record is glorious. Yeah, I'm going to say like, okay, I'm going to let you go first on your side A, but I, I'm okay. going to say about my record, um, best album of the 90s, I think. The album <laughs> I made, the greatest album of the 90s. I'm, I'm going to say that because uh, I'm going to be like, you know, okay, computer, you're pretty good, but you're not as good as the album I made, you know, never mind. You're good, but no, this album I made, I think, is the best album of the '90s. So, but I'm gonna let you go first. Like, what is on your side A of of right. what, what's it called again? It's called Definitely Glory. Definitely Glory. Definitely Glory. And we okay. open with the semi-title track. What's the story, Morning Glory? Ah, you know, which you know arrives in like a whale of you know sirens and helicopter noises and just sort of, and then it's like off to the races. Yes. And, you know, this song for me, I feel like is like Oasis at their peak power. Like, it's just like, it's it's a powerful rock and roll song. It's like an amazing performance from Liam. And also like has a bit of more of an emotional undercurrent to it than you get from a typical Oasis track. 
um, you know, it's uh, it's got that sort of sense of hunger and desperation to it. Which, and you know, listening to it, like I was driving around and had the song. Like the production on that song is so bizarre. It's just like there's just guitars wailing and squealing throughout the entire song. Yeah, and just gives it this like tension, this like unrelenting tension throughout. It's a bit of like That's a be here now. Mind. It's like a be here now preview a little bit because there's yeah, there seems like there's like a thousand guitars on that song, and you know, yeah. it's very over the top. Also, one like a rare. Great Noel Gallagher lyric on that song, All Your Dreams Remain When You're Chained to the Mirror of a Razor Blade. I think that's a really good line. And Noel Gallagher, some many, many, many terrible lyrics. I think <laughs> even as uh, even from someone who loves him dearly, he's not a great lyricist, but I, I always like yeah. that lyric. I think that's a good line. I, I've always considered him like a master craftsman as opposed to an artist, per se. He's, he knows how to write a really great song. But, you know, within a sort of established template, like he just, he can make you the best pop song there is, but he's not going to reinvent the form per se. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I think he's a great artist too. I think there's an artistry to the, to, to write a song that like literally means nothing, but figuratively means everything, you know, like there, there's almost something about his lyrics where there's like, they're abstract to the point of like, they they become profound in some way, and maybe it's how it, it it shows that like in a great rock song, it's not really about what you say literally; it's about what you suggest. And I think he's a master of suggesting greatness without actually stating anything profound. And I think you can do that in a rock song and and be a great artist. So that would be my argument for him being a great artist. But anyway, you, what else is on your side A? Okay, then, so after Morning Glory, we go into Live Forever. Yes. Just to show, like, you know, a lighter side of the band, a little more optimistic, uh, uplifting side of the band. And then from there, into Supersonic. Yes. So at that point, we're just sort of like, you know, just kind of like showing off. Like, there's three A-plus singles right off the top. Yes. And then, uh, and then we, you know, we're down, as some might say. I'll, I'll represent for teams, some might say, in this oh. exercise. So it's a good track four, I always feel, is kind of like the, you know, should be the, not a come down, but just a, a settle in a little bit. Yes. Um, and some might say it's just a great example of, like, what I think was so good about Noel's writing at this period. It's like, you know, you got a really catchy verse and then a chorus, and then you get this, like, bonus chorus. Like you, with like the, yeah, standing at the station um, part where it's just like, wow, like the song's just like, I already thought the song was elevated and then boom, he just sort of knocks it up a notch with this like little like bonus upsize, supersize version of the chorus. I think what, I think what makes that song is in the outro, Liam and Noel singing the chorus back and, back and forth to each other. It's a yeah. great example of their contrasting voices which is when the, when you get that in an oasis song i always feel like you're really hitting a home run so that's always my favorite part of that song and then we follow that with uh what i consider like a top three greatest oasis song slide away yes which uh again it's yeah it's just got sort of that again more of that emotional undercurrent to it um you know oasis are often considered just like kind of like a party band and, cigarettes and alcohol and waving the union jack while you're out of your head. But, uh, you know, slide away is a great example of showing like their depth. 
And then I, you know, it's time to kind of, we're getting towards the inside one. Let's, let's simmer down. We've, we've bowled you over with five amazing songs. And this will be my first uh, B-side selection, which is Rock and Chair, which I think is just like, just got such a great melody. Like, and that's the other thing, by the way, since it's like the verses are sometimes catchier than the choruses. And, you know, they, to the point where the verse kind of becomes the chorus in some cases. Right. Um, and then from there, we end off side, uh, side A with a great Morning Glory deep cut, Cast No Shadow. Ooh. Which, what I love about it is I love the way Noel and Liam sing together on, that, on, the, on the pre-chorus. Yes. And a song dedicated to Richard Ashcroft. Yes, the mad genius of the, Richard Ashcroft. The mad genius. Okay, so pretty good side A. I like your side mm-hmm. A. But uh, I'm gonna. It's funny on my record, I'm more excited about side B than I am about side A because I feel like my side A is kind of predictable. But um, you know, you got to go with just because it's predictable doesn't mean you, I, I feel like you don't want to overthink this because you got to pretend like people have not heard these songs before. You can't. You gotta. You gotta like put yourself in a world where like Wonderwall doesn't exist. And like Oasis is is a brand new band, and like how are you gonna like just bowl people over and and make them believe that this is the greatest rock band of all time? So, on my side A, you start out, and my 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 opening track and my last track were very obvious. I was like, there are only like there's only one choice for the opening track and only one choice for the closing track, and of course the one choice for the opening track, Stuart is Rock and Roll Star. You have to start this record with Rock and Roll Star. It is like leaving out I Believe in America from The Godfather or something. Like you you have to that is the sort of mission statement of this band. This band does yeah. is not whole if Rock and Roll Star does not exist. So and I think that is one of the great sort of side one track ones of all time. So you put that number 1. Number 2, like you, I put Live Forever because you gotta have "Live Forever" on the record, one of the great Oasis songs, and it's a it's a song like "Rock and Roll Star." It's another anthem, but it's a little bit different. It feels it feels kind of like a ballad. It's it's a little bit slower, but it's very uplifting. It's a very beautiful song, and I think it's another one of those examples of what I was talking about before, where Noel Gallagher is able to create this. I think great rock and roll song message in that song without actually saying anything profound. Like if you look at the lyrics to that, he's not really saying anything that is especially smart or funny or insightful, but the effect of hearing live forever over that music communicates something that like really no lyric ever could. It's something really powerful and, and great. And it's kind of it doesn't really have a proper course. It just sort of accelerates and just gets more intense. Like it's, you just, it just sort of like subtly ramps up. And, and really you can't, and you can't undersell the value that Liam Gallagher brings to that song. Uh, yeah. His vocal on that is, I, I, I don't think, like, if, if, if Noel Gallagher sang that, I don't think that song it nearly has the impact that it has it when Liam sings it. So my next song, and because you got to have this on the record, Stuart Berman, Wonderwall, number three. <laughs> you hit people with the rock and roll with note one and two, and then you downshift into this classic, classic song that people are going to be busking to in 200 years because it's just that kind of song. 
because you got to have it on, and you, and you don't want to lose your job at the imaginary record company. <laughs> so you're going to leave on Wonderwall. Number four, don't look back in anger, because I'm gonna I'm I'm killing people with this record again. I, I'm making the greatest album of the '90s here, so I'm not I'm not I'm not fucking around here. I'm 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 going for the gold. Don't look back in anger. So we're going rock and roll star, live forever, Wonderwall. Don't look back in anger. If, if this isn't your favorite band of all time at this point. Then get the fuck out. Like you're not gonna. I, I, if I don't have you yet, then you're not gonna like Oasis. But if you are in the ballpark, you are going to love this band. I think at this point. So I've given you four orgasms in a row here at the beginning of the record. So we're gonna we're gonna cool it out a little bit with a song that I feel like is like the dark horse greatest. Oasis song, or at least it's a song that I always hear Oasis fans say that they love, and they think no one else loves this song, but I think everyone loves it, which is She's Electric at number five. Uh, yeah, I think, that's, 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 that's landfill Oasis for me. <laughs> what's that? That's like landfill Oasis for me. Like that's, landfill that for Oasis? Me is like among, just among the most expendable songs. Uh, what? Yeah. Mr. Hey Now? Uh, you're <laughs> implying that Hey Now is on your record, and you don't like She's Electric? Oh my god! I like it, but I, I don't think it's like, you know, what? It's not gonna. You, you're, it's it, it's not the kind of song that's gonna blow people away. It's a beautiful. You know, to me, it's like hey now, hey now sounds like a jet plane taking off over your face. Like it's that's a powerful song. But I'll, I'll, more oh, on that later. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, I, I'm very curious to hear other people opine on this. Like once they hear this episode. <laughs> If they prefer Hey Now to She's Electric, because I think it's self-evident that She's Electric is just like this great pop song with like a great Liam Gallagher vocal on it. It's super charming. Every I've met a lot of Oasis fans who who love that song, but you know we'll see. It's um, it's the Dixie's dinner of. of, of oh, get out of here! Get out of here <laughs> with this. I mean, it kind of represents that point where Brit Pop sort of like steps over the line into like Hugh Grant rom-com soundtrack oh man it keeps getting worse from you okay let's move on let's move on um my sixth track on side a is one of my favorite uh b-sides by oasis and it's a song called fade away from the cigarettes and alcohol single the cigarettes and alcohol single is like maybe my favorite oasis release of all time um you have the great cover of liam and and noel in hotel room drinking champagne with like two models uh and just every song on that on that single is great. Uh, Fade Away is maybe like the closest they got to making a punk rock song. Like it kind of sounds like a Sex yeah. Pistols song. It, and again, like a great sort of Liam Gallagher, Johnny Rotten style vocal. Um, and the lyrics to me are, again, like this is kind of like the rare, really good Noel Gallagher lyric. To me, it's sort of like the reality on the flip side of Rock and Roll Star. Like, Rock and Roll Star is this sort of aspirational song. And Fade Away, to me, is a song about feeling like you're in your 20s and your life is already over. And that seems to me this is just a reality of what their lives were actually like at that time and what was at stake if they didn't make it as a band. Uh, So I've always loved that song. My last track, and this might be somewhat controversial, but I don't care because it's a cover. It's their cover of I Am The Walrus, from 1994 that's on the cigarettes and alcohol single i'm not talking about that master plan bullshit version which is like only six minutes long the one on the single is eight minutes long so i wanted the eight minute version 
Um, I just love this song. I think it's a cool side to Oasis that doesn't exist on a lot of these other songs where it's them just sort of becoming this drone rock band where they just ride the same groove for about four minutes on this cover that I think is a really great cover. And I also like that it winks at the Beatles a little bit, you know, because I was a big part of their mythology. Another thing I always loved about this single, and, and I don't know how well you know this recording, but at the beginning, Liam Gallagher says, does it matter if it's our tune? Although he may also be saying, does it matter if it's out of tune? Like, do you know right. what he, do you know what he's saying? Is this, does he say, does it matter if it's our tune? Or does he say? I, yeah, no, I, I don't recall that. Okay. Well, other Oasis fans out there, if, uh, if there's a ruling on that, I'd like to hear from you. But I always thought that was an awesome thing. So To be honest, I always like skipped over that cover. Like I, Oh, just, man. It's like I don't, need, I don't need them covering the Beatles. Like, I want it's a great cover, Beatles. though. It's an amazing cover. And it's not just like them. It's not like all around the world where they were trying to make a Beatles song. Like This is like yeah. them playing it. As like a like a bar band basically, and it, or like yeah, a psychedelic rock a type thing. So, because um, like in my original cut, I had Columbia in that slot, and it just didn't work. And I really like I Am the Walrus as being just more of a psychedelic freakout type song, which yeah, again, the, I want you. She's so heavy of your exactly. People. Exactly. So I thought that was a great. And again, I have to emphasize this is the eight minute version from the single. <laughs> Not the six-minute version that's on the master plan. They they edited it. The, the, the one on the master plan is is cut down by two minutes. But you really need that extra two minutes of just noise at the end, where they're just sort of droning out and playing the same groove for a long time. Uh, Maybe that was my problem. Though, I was I was more familiar with the master plan version. No, see those those extra two minutes of noise are all the difference, my friend. <laughs> and you can find both on Spotify, by the way, and seek out the longer version. I implore you. Okay, so we have some controversy already. You're bad-mouthing She's Electric, and you're you're sort of pointing to your side B, having some contentious choices on your side B. So I'm excited to hear what you have. What's on your side B? All right, well, we ended off side one with Cast No Shadow, you know, that sort of darker, more somber ballad. Time to get the party going again with some cigarettes and alcohol. There you go. much like, you know, and, you know, obviously a song heavily influenced by T-Rex's Get It On, Bang and Gong, which also kicked off side two of Electric Warriors. So, oh, very nice. Yeah, I'm honoring that tradition. Um, then I uh, throw in uh, another favorite B-side, Underneath the Sky. Oh, my which, goodness. Which is funny. We are talking about the, the Stevie Wonder rip. You know, this song actually probably has a more flagrant rip of like the higher ground <laughs> groove oh that's true but but it's sort of like stevie wonder mixed with the smiths it's kind of like oasis at their most smithsian see it's interesting but, uh, i just really love the the chorus hook on that song and it's, it's also kind of just a weird little side of them that they never really ventured down ever again you're just sort of like weird psychedelic jangly pop end you're picking some and left then, field uh b-sides here by the way like underneath the sky and rock and chair are not top shelf B sides that, that I would consider for Oasis necessarily. Like I like both of those songs, but they're both kind of left field choices. Like it's very interesting to me. I just think like Liam's performances on both are really, really great. Like they're sort of like classic young Liam. Yeah, totally. Then we go to obviously the most underappreciated track that we're going to be talking about today. Hey now. Oh my God. I'll tell you when I first put on what's the story morning glory, like okay you know it's 
Hello's pretty good intro. Roll with it's never been my favorite Oasis single, but then Wonderwall, great. Oh, don't look back in anger, like you know, beautiful Noel performance. That was a surprise. And then I remember like Hey Now kicking in at track five and going, "All right, this album is amazing." <laughs> I just, I just love, I just love the the vocal melody on this and just like that big, just like riff that opens it up and sort of punctuates each chorus. It's it's just always been a personal favorite of mine, and it's like a song that nobody talks about. <laughs> I, I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned by this. I'm stunned that you were listening to... I'm, I'm, I'm stunned when you were listening to Morning Glory and you were like, yeah, Wonderwall's pretty good. Don't look back in anger. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, Hey Now. This is, oh, I'm, this is fucking great. Now I'm, at, now I'm in the pocket because Hey Now is on. <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm stunned by this. I'm like, I love it. I love that you picked this song. Even though like, yeah, it's totally verses, inexplicable to me. Verses, uh, the verse melodies on that on that song are catchier than a lot of Noel's courses. Like, it's just, uh, yeah, I just think it's like, it's a huge so- sounding song, but it's just got, I don't know, it hits me like, hits me right to, you know, in, in the sweet spot. It's just, uh, yeah, I think it's like the most underrated song in the early Oasis canon. This might be my least favorite song on the first two albums. I think Hey Now would be in the running. Like, that or Dixie's Diner, it would be at the bottom, I think, for me. They'd be wow. brawling it out wow. at, at the bottom. Yeah, I was like, this is never, this is always a song I always assume that they were like, like Owen Morris said to them, hey guys, one more song. We need one more song. And Noel's like, Hey Now. Or maybe they're watching Larry Sanders or something. And like, they heard, uh, <laughs> Wasn't that because that was the, the uh, Hank Kingsley? Yeah, Hank Kingsley. That was his thing. Maybe, like uh, Noel Gallagher was doing blow and watching Larry Sanders, and he's like, "Here <laughs> we go. Okay, get in here, guys. We'll bash this out. Hey, now, here we go." But I want to go back. I see the way you're talking about it makes me feel like I've just totally missed the point of the song for years. So I so I like uh, that you're doing this, and then like the strings coming at the end, it's beautiful. It's like a little cherry on the Sunday. Oh man, okay. So hey, now we got okay. So what what's next on uh, your album side B? Let me do uh, "Don't Look Back in Anger." Okay. Um, and then I too selected "Fade Away." Nice. This has always been a, a fond favorite. Um, and for me, that's sort of subbing in the rock and roll star vibe, like you know, such as like scrappy, bash it out kind of rock and roller. And I always like that song. I first heard that song on that, that Help compilation, that big charity record that came out in 95 with like Oasis and Radiohead were on there and Paul Weller. And, um, and there's an alternate version of Fade Away. It's kind of like a sort of folkier version of it. Oh. And then I heard the electric version after that, and I'm like, wow, oh, the song just kicks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that would work nearly as well as like a folky song i feel like you you need the volume on that on that number to really sell it yeah um and then in the penultimate position we go with champagne supernova Ooh, not the last I, it's hard to hard to not have that song be the grand finale because it is like the ultimate oasis song in many ways um it's you know it's their stairway to heaven it's, it's uh their november rain you know what? Um, I know what you're gonna do here. I, I I think I know what your last track is. You wanna guess? Yeah, I I I think you're gonna I think you're going for some kind of cute and circular here. You're gonna put Acquiesce last. Am I right? You are. Ah, I well knew played. it. 
So I treat like Champion Supernova is kind of like the big show closer, and Acquiesce is the one and done encore. Well, and because they also he starts off playing Morning Glory at the beginning. Yeah. So you and I also just think it's like the ultimate Oasis song in a sense, like of getting both Liam and Noel's energy captured and their dynamic. Right. You know, Liam with the really like, you know, bringing the full attitude to the verses, and then Noel bringing the more sensitive side to the chorus. Right. I just think it's. It's Oasis in a four-minute-and-28-second nutshell. Yep. Oh, so that's it. That's the, that's that's the it. close. Mic drop. Of uh, Definitely Glory. Yes. I like it. Okay, so on my side B, I start my side B with Acquiesce. And okay. that's also the title of my record. And it's, uh-huh. a, it's a cheeky reference that the Gallagher brothers are making to this album basically being a hatchet job on their first two albums <laughs> so they're saying we're acquiescing to our record company so that's sort of the air joke of my album title acquiesce uh, as you were saying i think this is probably the best oasis song of all time i mean it's definitely in the running for me i, I was listening to it a bunch over the last couple of days and i'm like yeah this is this is maybe the best oasis song i mean yeah. for the reasons you were talking about i mean just the you know liam singing the the verse and you got Noel on the chorus i mean the riff is awesome it just sounds yeah. like like a pulverizing type type riff, so powerful. Um, it just has everything that I want. It has the attitude, it has the sensitivity, it has the melody, it has the swagger to it. Um, so yeah, I I was getting a little nervous that you weren't going to put acquiesce on your record. And um, I was like, it was almost my opener opener. I tried, oh, yeah. I experimented with it being the opener opener, and then I thought, oh, wait, no. But then I was like, well, how do I follow Champion Supernova? If I'm on so I don't want to just default to have it be the final track on the record and i thought maybe maybe like an acoustic song like whatever to do you know towards the end but then you went kind of with the circular thing you were like we're we're gonna put this last and it's gonna reference the first song i like it that's a good clever construction and i could see that coming when you were doing that and i was like that's where he's gonna put acquiesce he's gonna put it at the end and to echo morning glory at the beginning but yeah, I'm gonna put it at the at the top of my side B because again, like I think you, it's a great opener. I like it more as an opener maybe yeah. than as a closer. But I put so I put it at the top of side B. Next track is Supersonic, right. and unlike you, I I that song actually bowled me over the first time I heard it. That's actually the first song of, on the side B of uh, definitely maybe, and right. uh, I just love the drum part on it. You know, any song that starts off with like drums like that i'm usually a sucker for you know it's sort of like they're when the levee breaks you know has like the cool drum break at the beginning uh next song is cigarettes and alcohol and that's why i didn't put some might say on my record because i thought okay i can't have two t-rex songs on here (laughs) so i chose cigarettes and alcohol uh just because i felt like that is such a quintessentially oasis song and i think especially like if this was like the first record that you were going to hear by them you know you need that song it's just such a core of their sort of early persona that they're these sort of dead-end working-class dudes who just live to party and live it up on friday night which makes them sound like we're talking about poison or something but you know that was their thing (laughs) a very sort of uplifting idea of like you live the rock and roll lifestyle it's sort of a way to transcend daily drudgery which was a great way to think about rock stardom at the time because again coming out of grunge you know 
Rockstardom was talked about in such a sort of it was almost like a cross to bear or something. Yeah. Like well, if, with me. And and Oasis really brought it back to this idea of you know if you live a dead end life and you are either going to be in a band or you're going to work in a factory. Like it's better to be in a band, and it's even better to be in a very successful band where you can make your dreams come true. And again, as I said before, my favorite Oasis release ever is the Cigarettes and Alcohol single. And on that cover of the single, again, where they're in the hotel room, swilling champagne with models and stuff, I just remember like as a 17-year-old seeing that and just thinking that was like the coolest thing in the world. Like, wow, these guys are awesome. Because I, I think I was, I probably knew somewhere that that photo was posed but I think I wanted to believe that it was just like a candid shot of like, oh, this is just what Oasis happened to be doing when someone took a photo of them. Like, this is just like what their life is like. Uh, so I thought that was amazing. Um, fourth track, down. Sh- what, go ahead, what? I was going to say, like, the, that mindset's much more of like, almost like a hip-hop mentality. Right. Exactly. An alternative rock mentality, which is like, yeah, this is our ticket. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and we're not ashamed of it. And, yeah. you know, yeah, instead of you know, again, like complaining about it or, or worried that, you know, like Mike Watt or Ian McKay might look down on you, you know, it's like, no, we're going to live it up because our life, our life would have been shit otherwise if we hadn't have been successful. Yeah. Um, my fourth track, uh, downshifting into a B-side, a very beloved B-side, the song Talk Tonight, uh, yeah. which is a song I've always loved. It's funny because the recorded version, and I forget what single this is on, I think it might be on the Some Might Say single, but... I'm not sure on that. Um, the studio version, I'm not as much of a fan of as some of the live versions that were circulating around this time. Like, there's that live video, uh, like, uh, like uh, Live by the Sea. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was like a concert video that came out in, like, 95. And Noel does an acoustic set in the middle where he plays Talk Tonight, and he plays another song called Sad Song. <laughs> which is yeah. like, you know, definitely an example of like Noel Gallagher not being kind of lazy with his lyrics. Like, I wrote a sad song. Let's call it sad song. <laughs> um, but I always loved the version of Talk Tonight from that video. So that's the version I'm going to put on my record, the live version of Talk Tonight from the Live by the Sea video where it's just Noel playing by himself. Um, yeah, like a lot of the a lot of the Oasis B-sides are find Noel in this sort of more, you know, pensive mood. And they're they're great songs, but a lot of them just didn't feel like Oasis songs to me for, for the record, for the purposes of putting this record together. Like, it's almost like, oh, Noel's got a really great solo record in him. <laughs> like, yeah. But my, my A&R guy would tell Noel to put out a solo record as a stopgap release. Yeah, but I, I wanted another acoustic song on here. I mean, that was another instance where I felt like if I put Morning Glory on this side, that's just like... Like too many bangers, you know. You gotta like, you gotta, yeah. you gotta quiet it down. And I just think that's a great song. And I, that's an example of a song that Liam Gallagher should not have sang. Like I'm glad Noel Gallagher yeah. sang it. Like it was perfect for his voice. Uh, the next song, the fifth track on my side B, is a song called "Listen Up," and it's another B side from the Cigarettes and Alcohol single. Like so, so I'm basically putting all okay. of the Cigarettes and Alcohol <laughs> single on my album because again, I, it's I love that, I love that release. And I just really like this song. It's another song that kind of starts off with the drums. It kind of sounds like it's almost like a rehearsal type song. It's very loose, and but I like the looseness of it. It has a nice groove, and it builds to a really nice climax um, with 
a pretty amazing Liam Gallagher vocal. Uh, so it's a good example of like a rock song that's like a mid-tempo song. It's kind of bringing you out of talk, uh, out of talk tonight. Um, next, I have Slide Away, which, um, you know, if Acquiesce isn't the best Oasis song, then maybe Slide Away is the best Oasis song. Like it, yeah. It's in the conversation of like greatest Oasis songs. And I think you said that earlier because uh, you put that on your side A. Um, just, you know, again, for all the attitude that they had early in their career on Definitely Maybe, it's such a, just a beautiful love song. And, uh, but again, another example of like, if you look at the lyrics, they don't make any sense really. But the sound of it and the way Liam Gallagher sings it, like you know what it's about. Like you don't need to listen to the lyrics because it's all expressed sort of beyond the words when you listen to it. Uh, so just a beautiful song. And then my last song, because Stuart, you got to put the song last. It's Champagne Supernova. You've got to put that song last. One of the greatest album closers of all time. I don't, even Acquiesce, I don't think can follow that song. Just an epic beautiful song not a dry eye in the house when you play that and i believe that at the end of this album you hear that song and you're like okay they said this they said this was the best album of the 90s and i i believe them now because this song <laughs> is like you know it's like free bird hey jude uh you know had a kid or something and you know then put in i don't know like i don't know what else you put in there i mean every great you know the like the last half of like the rocking part of Bohemian Rhapsody and the rocking part of Stairway to Heaven, like you put all those in there. Uh, that's what. That's how you get Champagne Super, Supernova. So uh, that's how I close my album, uh, my album Acquiesce, the greatest album of the '90s. So hey, there's no crime in being obvious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know, again, we have to exist in a world where we haven't heard this song a million times, yeah. and. Uh, we have to create something that people will eventually get sick of because they play it all the time because it's awesome. You know, yeah. that's well, what I like about, I've always liked about Champagne Supernova as, as an album closer on, on the original Morning Glory record is it's basically a song, basically acknowledging like, all right, the good times are, are gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is as good as it got. <laughs> and well, now we begin the slow fade into uh, middle age. Well, and like, it's also one of those things too, where, you know, to hit upon a familiar theme, I think from this episode is that Liam, that that Noel Gallagher was a, was a master of coming up with phrases that make no literal sense, but like have sort of like a uh, like a figurative logic to them. Like Champagne Supernova, I don't know what the hell he that really actually is. I mean, it kind of sounds like a you know, like the after effect of like a really bad hangover or something. Like you have a Champagne Supernova because you you know hit it too hard the previous night. Um, but you hear it and it just makes sense. Just like saying like, you know, like a love song called Wonderwall, you know, why does, that doesn't make any sense, but like when they do it, they make it make sense, uh, which I think was always the genius of Oasis. Um, yeah. so well, yeah, I'm still trying, I'm still trying to figure out the art of master, of mastering the art of walking slowly down the hall faster than a cannonball. <laughs> Yeah. I think that just means you're walking at a medium pace. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, or, you know, like, well, you know, from Morning Glory, tomorrow never knows when it doesn't know too soon. You know, that's another one where, uh, 
you think you start thinking about it and it's sort of like a brain twister and then you're like oh wait this is just really stupid i don't i don't i don't need to decipher this it's, this is just the dumb lyric that Noel Gallagher wrote, but it's also a genius lyric that Noel Gallagher wrote. It's it's both at the same time. Yeah. So okay, well, this fine is, line between stupid and clever. Exactly. That's the wise band once said. Well, Matt, it was fun to uh, discover the genius of Hey Now with you in this episode. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a and, lot. And I'll, I'll go back and give She's Electric. Uh, you know, oh, you have to. You have to. The, the, that Hugh Grant crack, I, you're going to regret that. That's that's preserved forever on this podcast. and you're, you're, you're gonna... It hurts because it's true. <laughs> Stuart, it's always a pleasure having you on, man. Thanks again for Thank uh, playing this game with us, man, and uh, take care. Um, I had a lot of fun. Thank you. All right, so that was me and Stuart getting into it, talking about Oasis. And, uh, you know, I, I know I'm going to listen to this episode and regret not putting on the songs I left off. Like, I can't, I still can't believe I didn't put Some Might Say on my album. That's honestly, I, I feel like that would be like a top 10 Oasis song for me. But when you put Cigarettes and Alcohol on the record, you can't put that song on too. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, if you are angry at this episode, I am angry with you, believe me. So <laughs> let's talk about a man I'm not angry with, Derek Madden, the man who makes it happen. Thank you, Derek. For making it happen. I would have put it on there, I'm just saying. Yeah, okay, I know. I know, I know, I know. Hey, I deserve that. Uh, Josh Copperman, you wrote our theme song. Thank you, Josh. And of course, all of you, our Celebration Rock listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us, listening to our show, supporting us, leaving us ratings on iTunes, telling your friends about us, talking about us on social media. You know, we've, de- we've developed a nice audience over the years, and it's all because of you and your support. So thank you so much for that. Uh, we will be back. Uh, next week with some more Celebration Rock. We are getting near the end of our season. Our last episode is December 17th. So, you know, this is sort of the electrifying conclusion of 2018 for us, but we have some really cool episodes lined up uh, to send you off into the holidays, so it'll be fun to get to that. So thank you again, guys, for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. Let's hear another success story. This one comes to us from Stacker Derek. You guys are the best, and it's because of you I now understand retirement accounts, money in general, and how poorly the guests are treated when they show up. I really don't know where I would be without you. Thank you for 1500 and here's to another 1500 if Doug can survive that long without pay. Find out more by searching The Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.